Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. And today I'm honored to have on the show, Dan Lester. Dan Lester is the Director of Field Diversity, Inclusion, and Culture at Clayco. Dan focuses on endeavors that affect the community, addresses the culture of job sites, and makes them more inclusive and safe. Dan is active across many organizations and serves on the Construction Career Development Initiative Board, which he helped found. He also serves on the Missouri S&T Minor Alumni Association. Go Miners. I got my grad degree from there. Uh, and Academy of Minor Athletics. Dan is also a professional speaker on a regional and national scale. Welcome, Dan Lester, to Inspiring People and Places. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. You got it. I'm, I was excited to see the uh, Missouri Science and Technology connection there. Absolutely. Uh, before we jump in, if you're on the athletic, what uh, did you play a sport there? Yeah, so I, I, I uh, completed four year, or I guess my full five years with a red shirt of football, and I did two years of, of track and field. Awesome, that's uh, that's great, and I love that you're giving back. I'm, I have a passion for uh, leadership and character development through youth sports. Uh, which we may or may not dive into in this podcast or, or, or a future one. Sure. Um, yeah. So, Dan, I love I love what you're doing and what your role is at Clayco. Uh, how we start off the show is really how did you end up in this position from, you know, maybe it was before Missouri S&T, maybe it was something that happened at Missouri S&T, but talk to us a little bit about your career journey uh, and how you ended up at, at Clayco in this role. Well, well, sure. Number one, thanks for having me here. I think it's a great honor to be on this uh, podcast where we're talking about the inspiration of people and places. So I'm excited about that. Uh, for my journey, I think, you know, I, I won't go so far back. I had a lot of different jobs before I got into where I felt I was in my sweet spot. And I found myself in education. Uh, I was in the education in the private high school. I was coaching football there as well. And that was where I really started to hit my stride. And I found that there was a profession that allowed individuals to be engaged in diversity and inclusion. Had no idea that was a profession, uh, had parents that were um, in corporate spaces, and I promised myself I would never be in a corporate space. They, 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 they gave it away from me. So against my better judgment uh, uh, of going against what I thought was the best thing for me, uh, after I kind of my time ended at the high school, um, I had an opportunity. One of my um, one of my mentors there, he, he was very uh, close and had a scholarship with the concrete division of Clayco called Concrete Strategies. And so uh, the former owner, Joe Vitale, was uh, part of that, was really there. And, and Joe and, and my mentor had a good relationship. And so uh, Joe needed a diversity consultant. He found out I was available. And, you know, we had that, um, we were at a Jesuit high school and his kids went to a Jesuit high school. So there was a Jesuit connection there. And so... Um, from there, we, we, he, he, we had a conversation, and next thing I know, I am um, walking into a, concrete, a construction industry that I had no idea what I was really walking into. I thought I knew diversity and inclusion. I told him, I said, listen, I know D&I, right? I can do diversity. I don't know anything about construction, uh, but I can figure it out. I'm a quick study. 
wow, I told you, uh, it was a completely different transition moving from education to where the students uh, are the end user and they are your clients uh, and it's kind of, you know, more philosophical speakingly, you know, so to speak. And then you get into the construction side where everything's, you know, kind of black and white, the letter of the law. It's about good faith effort. It's about, you know, MWDBE. It's about workforce. It was just a different world for me. And I've just learned so much. But this has been the longest job I've ever had outside of college. I love what I do. And uh, I love the Clayco organization I get to work for. So let, let's go right into that because I saw the website, Clayco has their corporate website, but then you yes. have Clayco Rising yeah. seems to be the diversity channel of that. So first talk to us about what diversity inclusion is and then talk to us about how you go about it uh, at Clayco. Sure, sure. So there's a million different definitions of diversity and inclusion. My, my, mine will be this. Diversity is just the, the recognition of differences uh, in your space, right? There, there can be diversity of thought, diversity of uh, location, gender identity, sexuality. We just recognize when things are different from who we are. Uh, and so uh, that's because the, the, just kind of the basic form of the recognition uh, of difference. Now, what we really, what folks I think are really trying to get to when they really say diversity, they're looking more at the inclusion aspect of it, which is has to be created. It's, the, it's doing what we need to do to make sure that those whom we've invited into our spaces, let's say we are wanting more minorities, more women, or like, you know, in our industry, veterans, uh, the LGBTQ plus community. What, what have we done to include them and the unique perspectives thereof, right? So when you look at diversity, everybody's looking at what are the, you know, what are the, um, the use cases? What are the business cases for diversity? And that's a great question to ask, but it's, you know, sometimes can be misguided because when you invite people in, you don't necessarily want to say, oh, I'm inviting you in now. Prove to me why you should be here. I invited you in because I know you should be here and you have something I don't already currently have. And that's going to give me an opportunity to uh, have a better business strategy moving forward. So I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here or, or saying anything that uh, probably isn't you know published somewhere. <laughs> We look around the engineering and construction industry, and especially at engineering conferences, it's 50 to 70-year-old white males walking around the rooms. Um, we also know that we have a huge uh, capacity gap in the yeah. industry, yes. right? So it, from me, the business case is we know we don't have enough people coming into the industry, so right there, we know we have to broaden the gap. We have to make it more attractive and make people feel more included that aren't white males. Yes. Um, so that's a ton of people. Uh, you, you, hit, you hit veterans, you hit women, you hit um, minorities, LGBTQ. Talk to us about, I think it's a two-part solution, right? One is how do we do it as an industry to make it attractive? How do we do it as individual companies or, or how do we educate as an industry to make those, those education paths into our industry uh, more available or more uh, well-known? Uh, great, great question there, uh, BJ, because I feel like that leads us right into what Clayco Rising is, right? Clayco right, Rising perfect. is really the 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 kind of communication of how Clayco views uh, this diversity and inclusion conversation, which means it kind of comes from the thought process that a rising tide raises all boats. And if a rising tide raises all boats or ships or whatever you want to call them that day, uh, but basically, if we have owners adding into the conversation, because in order for us to get capacity, in order for us 
us to truly not just meet a goal because it's not about it's about people above all else. Right. You go to that site, you'll see people above all else. People make uh, profits, not percentages. Right. So we can say that there's goals on something because there's a, a lack of usage or, or the usage isn't as high as it should be. Um, and we haven't considered these individuals in our group settings. How we try to approach it is we always talk about preparing the house. And I'm a, I'm a huge thing. There's a book uh, R. Roosevelt Thomas wrote in 19 late 1990s uh, talks about building a house for diversity. I'll tell the story real quick. Uh, you know, in the in the house, in, in the conversation, what he talks about, there's there's a giraffe and there's an elephant. The giraffe wants to befriend the elephant. And when the giraffe uh, decides that they've gotten to that point in their friendship where they can invite the elephant over for dinner, the ele elephant is invited over for dinner. Once the elephant comes in or before that, the giraffe says, oh, I need to widen my door because the elephant can't fit through my narrow walkway, my pat, my narrow doorway. Once the, the elephant gets into the door, the giraffe gets a phone call and says, hey, excuse me, I'll be right back. Make yourself at home. Everywhere the elephant tries to move, crunch, crack, break, uh, it is just not uh, happening. And then the giraffe comes back into the room is clearly and rightfully so upset because, hey, you have destroyed my home. My home, which is beautiful. I invited you to my house and now you have destroyed everything uh, and, and you need to go lose some weight. You're too heavy. It's not this. It's not that. And those it mimics the situations that we sometimes see in the workplace when we haven't prepared ourselves to receive the needs or to or to plan perfectively to to meet the needs of those who were in engaging or new individuals that we're introducing into the environment. So let's take it to the real case scenario. If you want to make sure there's more women on your job site, there's things that we could probably be more uh, paying more attention to. If we want more women in our industries, that means our maternity leave policies need to be a little bit different. You know, I knew at one point in time there were women who were freezing eggs, so they didn't lose their ability to have children at some point in time because there wasn't the, uh, the, the infrastructure of maternity leave hadn't been fully planned in. Right now, some companies have it today. But even as a father, a lot of fathers didn't have the ability to uh, go and be away. And so if you had a wife that had to be at home uh, or, or a spouse or somebody like that that was having this child, you had to kind of either use vacation days or things like that. So if you want more folks, you want more family oriented individuals, you want more minorities. What are the things that those groups value and hold dear? Um, and do you or, you know, women clothes? Do you have right size clothes for women? A lot of women, when we started asking our women what they needed, one of the things they talked about was, hey, I have to go buy kids shirts because there's nothing that's sizable for me. The small is too big. I have to go buy a kid's shirt. Easy solutions oftentimes to situations that are just letting people know that we anticipated you to be here. If I invite you to my home, BJ, you're going to expect that I prepared myself that at least should be relatively clean. You know, if there's food being prepared, that we've got enough for you. Uh, we've we've checked your, you know, these days you got to check people's, um, you know, do you have any kind of food restrictions or dietary options that you need to have available? And those are common courtesies that we have learned over the years to say, oh, well, we got to have vegan options or we got to have vegetarian options with every meal and so or, or, or you know we start dealing with kids peanut free options and all those types of different challenges that if we ingrain them into the fabric of our in, of our organizations or into our cultures they don't have to be things that we use initiatives to kind of challenge and deal with and so those individuals can be effective in our in our environments but they just have to want to be here and as you mentioned we have a you know we've got this deficit of talent uh, comparatively to who's here and and it's not just in the office but it's also in the field and so we've got to make sure that we're taking care and, and preparing 
pairing individuals uh, and pairing the spaces that they're going to come into so that they feel that they're welcomed and that they want to stay. And as we've seen, even with the great resignation, those individuals who are even high, high caliber, you know, degreed, high level degreed professionals left their jobs because they, they were in toxic culture environments. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think that construction has that can we, that we can tackle uh, is our, is some of the culture challenges that we have both in the field and sometimes in the office. As you were talking, a couple of things came to my my head. First of all, uh, a rising tide raises all boats. Talk about high school coaches. That was my high school uh, cross country coach used to yeah. say that all the time, um, and and I love that quote. Another one was, "If you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got." And I yes. think that's the other business case for diversity and inclusion. I I think that we as an industry are behind the times in innovating. Um, and I think we struggle with that. And I think a lot of it is because we just keep doing the same things because it's the same thought processes <clears throat> and bringing people in from different industries or, or different backgrounds and different you know ways of thinking is only going to improve our industry. Uh, one of the other things you, you, you mentioned, you know, whether it's maternity leave or otherwise, I think that our industry is squeezed on profit margins, right? And it makes it that much harder for for us to quote make the business case, uh, or for le- leaders of other businesses who know it's the right thing to do, but if they don't feel that it's sustainable inside of their business model based on the customer base and where the market's going, makes it you know that that becomes the easy hurdle for them to throw up. So in the spirit of a rising tide raises all boats, talk to us about the leadership at Clayco and how you are going about this so that we can all learn from it. You know, we are very fortunate in the Clayco enterprise that our founder and chairman, Bob Clark, uh, had a unique experience and he'll be the first to tell you where he found himself in a situation uh, where he adopted this young this young uh, boy um, and and who was just trying to get work at the at the business. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, Bob over the years forms a relationship with this young man uh, and, and, and ends up adopting him. I don't know if it was ever officially adopted but they certainly have that father-son relationship. He has now uh, kind of been, he's now one of the most successful contractors, uh, minority contractors in, in, in history in the state of Missouri, at least. Um, let's take that to how that translated. Bob saw different things as he was growing up, as he was trying to help this gentleman. His name is Todd Weaver. He saw this young man's challenges as a young black student trying to go in through the you know high school and college and really some of the challenges that Uh, Todd was having that his other children were not having and it kind of became relevant to Bob that you know this is something that's a little bit deeper than I could than 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 my children have to deal with and so Bob had firsthand experience in what diversity uh, or what a lack of diversity didn't look like or a lack of acceptance of diversity didn't look like when relationship changed so oftentimes when we have relationships or when people are included in our environments that allows us the chance to learn more about those individuals right you don't know uh, I, I learned much more about pregnancy when my wife was pregnant and, and, and parenting when I had kids. I found out why people were referring to their kids in, in months for the first two years. I thought that was insane. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that's insane? How many months old are you, BJ? We don't know. We don't know how many months we are, right? So we just assume that, 
you know, but but we but until you get exposed or until you have a relationship, which is sometimes a challenge, you don't know what you don't know. And 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 but the being able to be open minded to receive that uh, is, is kind of the the challenge and, and the trick. And so what we've done at Clayco and what our leadership has allowed us to do is start the conversation early. And that's where the Clayco Rising kind of website spawned out of is we've been in the conversation since Todd was a little kid. It kind of naturally was in grained into the fabric of who we are. Now, over the course of time, we became much more intentional with how we started to communicate those messages. And 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 mind you, we didn't say Clayco has risen, okay? We said Clayco <laughs> is rising. And that means owners help us, our subcontracting partners help us, our any of our consulting partners help us out. The we partner with local communities, local governments. Wherever we are, it basically expands the mantra that you'll see on the Clayco website that Bob Clark started and his wife kind of gave him the idea for, which is called Beyond These Walls. Beyond These Walls is the mentor the mentality that wherever we are, whatever project that we do, it's not just about the building itself. It's about the people who will at one point in time work in the building and the communities that they take from the building and going back. It's about the local contractors and local workforce that we hire that is engaging in that building. And again, the experiences that they take back to their respective communities. It's also then about how we engage with the community around the projects themselves, with the high schools, the community colleges, doing some career exploration so that we can be more of the change and help the industry rise. And if we need talent, we've got to start exposing that talent to the opportunities that have not been exposed to them through the education system. And so we've got to go intentionally and be there. And that's why we started our nonprofit, the Construction Career Development Initiative, so that it could start to kind of help address those uh, challenges in one way or another. And even if, you know, and that's something that's only in certain markets that we have, but we expect every one of our projects to engage with that beyond these walls mentality. And so we all rise together and that has helped us kind of champion this cause. And if we start looking at things away from the the challenges that a lot of people see when they start to hear diversity, when you hear, I sometimes don't even like that it's part of my job title, right? Because it automatically turns people off until they really learn that you know I'm not trying to exclude anybody in my conversation it's not getting rid of white males no it's that hey we want the white males involved we want females involved women involved we want minorities we want all different types of backgrounds represented number one because there's something that we're missing if those folks are not being represented two when we start realizing that we've got you know over 39 languages that are spoken uh, 46 languages spoken at Clayco uh, from 39 different countries Countries, you know, people are born. So when you have that type of situation where your employees can do that, if you have a proposal or you have a client that you're trying to connect with that um, you don't personally speak the language, but you have people in your enterprise that do, it helps to be able to better communicate or helps you to say if there's some customs or traditions that you don't want to step on and that you don't want to to to, to uh, mess up when you're engaging with spaces, it, it helps to have some folks in your corner on your team that are in those spaces, but you don't know what you don't know. And I think the industry, um, not because it didn't want to, because you mentioned the, the, the margins are thin. And if the margins are thin, on our profit, that means that any any kind of slight hint of change can be perceived as a detriment if it's not included, if it's not kind of engaged with effectively. So we we really are trying to not only because so Clayco will we'll work out of our way to, you know, 
go to conferences, whatever we can to really just share the message as, as, to as many folks as we can, even with our clients. Even if our clients don't have this type of mentality, we're being the ones, our project teams and those who are bidding the work are telling our clients, this is how we engage. This is what we do. And not. And if you don't do it, that's okay, but we're still going to do it. But if you have an owner that is is in, is in, is just is just as invested as you are, which means they can add a couple of dollars to the pot to to really work on the community. Then you really get supercharged. And if you're not only you got the owners and you got the contractor, now you've got your your subcontractors who have bought into the process. It gives more juice or more fuel to the engine. And next thing you know, this machine is really working together. Not only to have the inclusivity of what happens on a job site and all the uniqueness, which is a perfect example of diversity and inclusion is taking all those trades and building something really awesome <laughs> like we do. But you also then have the impact of people and perspectives and lives. Um, you said so many things there that I was like trying to take notes on. But <laughs> number one is we, we got to give a, a commercial because Bob Clark, his wife sound like amazing people. Give us give us the, the thumbnail on Clayco while we're while we're talking about this. Where's Clayco working? What kind of projects? Yeah. So Clayco is a national design builder. Uh, we we work a lot in our industrial divisions, the big boxes, major clients from the likes of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, um, and, and a lot of other industrial clients that are there. But we also have corporate divisions and uh, institutional hospitals, uh, colleges, universities. Uh, we've reached about $5 billion in 2021. Um, and so we started in 1984. So we are a very young company in the in the scheme of things and 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 so we've been able to grow relatively quickly fun fact Bob Clark never finished college so he only went for about six months six weeks but what he recognized was that if I'm not going to have certain things I don't have uh, but I'm going to surround myself with those who do have it which is that inclusive aspect and I'm going to make sure that I'm including people who do have the skill sets and the knowledge bases that I need in order to get and build the business the way I want. And so we've been fortunate enough to have leadership and have the direction and guide to do that. And those who are able to visually see the benefit of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and not be afraid to lean into that space, uh, even when it's not popular. Give me the statistic on how many languages again. I believe we have 46 different languages spoken. That's, that's like, that's the poster part right there. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, switching gears a little bit, sure. uh, you probably navigate problems day in and day out, HR and, and diversity and inclusion. I'm sure, you know, trying to trying to get people on projects, all of that. Give us give us a vignette, a story, a project challenge, a leadership challenge uh, that you've had to you know overcome that that can teach us a little bit about a lesson you've learned. Well, one of the biggest lessons that I learned and it really kind of helped me kind of grow into the position I'm currently residing in was when I was a newbie in the industry uh, on the concrete side, I had been working with the subcontracting community because we're co concrete strategies is a, con a subcontractor. And I knew that aspect. But there was this major job uh, at a hospital here in St. Louis and they need and there was a tri venture with three large uh, contractors that we all came together uh, and we were all just kind of uh, sourcing talent to that job. And so 
I was one of the people chosen to be on that job when I was just about six months in. And it expanded my mentality from the subcontractor space to the um, to the general contractor, construction manager type of space and seeing so many people. And it was the largest job in the region. We had about 1,200 people daily running three shifts, seven, six days a week and one or two shifts on Sundays. And so it was a huge, you know, $700 million project that spanned a couple of years for the first phase of that project. And so I was on that job and I started seeing some of the unique challenges that people were having in the workforce. And we were having issues with, um, you know, just the relational aspect. There was more minorities on that job in St. Louis than had been on any project of that size at this time. And we started to, and there was also, it's also an active hospital job. So there was all these different unique challenges, but the workforce was just um, very, very volatile and it wasn't necessarily always the best uh, morale on the job. And so one of the things I noticed was that we weren't communicating effectively from the office to the field. And so uh, we, we, we would make, uh, there would be directives that came down from whether it was owners or our team to the field. And when you would talk to the uh, you know, tradesmen and women out there on the job site, they were very frustrated with some of the things that happened because they didn't, um, they weren't included in the solutions that were being created for their problems, right? And so you now learn that, you know, so so when I got back from that project, I told our leadership, this is something I think that we really need to do and we need to focus more on our field. And that's how our field focus program was created, was kind of born out of how do we be more into that space and create environments where our tradesmen and women have a voice. And field focus is heavily focusing on the psychological safety aspect of, which is that shared feeling, it's okay to be open and honest in a group setting. There is a lot of nuances on a construction site that make that challenging, but it's starting the conversation. And it gets us even deeper when you start tying the fact, when you start tying into the challenges we have with mental health, with suicide being number one in construction. We are the number one, um, we're at the top level for the suicides in, in construction or in out of any industry, five times greater than the national average. It's five times greater than any other construction fatality, by the way. And, and so so when you start looking at that, that psychological safety can answer your diversity challenges. It can answer your mental health and wellness challenges. It can answer some of your productivity challenges and your culture challenges of how people, uh, the environment that they come into, it allows us to be a lot better. So the thing I learned was to make sure that you are including those, uh, in, those in the decision-making process, even if you don't think that they have anything of value to say. So I think that's an awesome lesson, and, and we hear that a lot, um, that you know, boots on the ground can come up with solutions, include them in co-authoring uh, policies or, or what have you. But the, the lesson I want to point out, especially for our younger listeners, is what Dan said about his experience on a big project. If you're coming out of school, try and get with a firm that's got a big project going on because big projects pose big challenges yes. and big challenges pose big opportunities. Here, Dan is years later, having been a part of not only identifying the problem, but then also helping his, his company and probably being recognized by his company as somebody who takes initiative and, and you know fixes things uh, or is willing to speak up and fix yeah. things. So. Yeah. Uh, we talk about opportunity laying on the floor in this industry. Just pick it up. That is the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and and psychological safety. I mean, mental health. We've talked about it a number of times on the show. It, it is crazy. 
you know, we talk about it from a veteran perspective and we talk about it from a construction industry perspective. Uh, we've, we've got to find solutions to it. Um, so appreciate you bringing that up. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified service disabled veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Switching a little bit to some rapid fire questions to wrap us up. Uh, outside of construction industry and your role in diversity and inclusion, what else are you involved in out, outside of the, outside of the office? Uh, my kids, man. I'm got young. I got young boys. Two young boys. I love. Man, I love them. They're How awesome. Old? They're, uh, my oldest is going to be six in a couple of months, and then my youngest is four, just turned four in, in April. So I've got, they're about 19 months apart. People assume I got a big four year old, so they assume they're twins. And, <laughs> um, and you know, but, but they, they take a lot of time. They teach me a lot of patience and a lot of, um, you know, I, I learn a lot of lessons that I teach other people when I get a chance to talk. Just from my kids, man, they're, they, they, they're just so, you know, Here's a, you know, again, this is a be a free, free nugget for you. You know, when you look at these things, kids naturally include. They don't have any issues. My kid will see anybody. My children will see anybody on a playground. And I saw him one day just a few weeks ago, walk up to this dude. He had no idea who he was. Hey, you want to be my friend? Kid says yes. And then they just run off and started playing for the next 30 minutes and had no idea. You know, and so we naturally include uh, when we're younger, but we're taught to exclude as we get older. And that was just something that is a, is a nuance that we, we get a chance to see. While we're on this topic, I didn't think I'd, I'd bring it back around, but you brought up the opportunity. My son took uh, is just starting football. So my ah. son's five. Uh, so I have a seven-year-old girl, five-year-old boy, three-year-old girl. He took, he, he started football camp last week and the high school coach runs the program. Mm -hmm. His high school, high school players, uh, you know, manage and help, help volunteer for the program. Yeah. Five years old to eighth grade, last day of practice or last day of the camp, coach brings everybody together and, and basically says, you know, welcome to the football team. You're all part of this program. I don't care if you're five years old or senior in high school, you're on the same team. And then he says, you know, we've got a couple of rules. I won't go through the whole speech. Rule number one was be a good teammate. No matter what age, you know, we're here to help each other. Number two, Haddonfield football players include. There's a lot of kids getting bullied out there. A lot of kids feeling lonely out there. Haddonfield football players put our arms around those kids and bring them and bring them apart. I mean, like the coach had me there. I was like, all right, he's, yeah. he signed up. You got, you yes. got me for the next 10 years. <laughs> uh, and, and I talked about leadership character and resiliency really through youth sports i mean it's just it's one the mind body connection you just have a you have a more attentive population at that age when they're on a sports field and i think it's just such a great classroom for teaching those life lessons including uh being one of them all right off off my soapbox <laughs> it's, a good, uh, it's a good box to be on though <laughs> favorite quote and why 
Real difficulties can be overcome. It is the imaginary ones that are inconquerable. That is by Theodore Vail. He is the, uh, he was like the, maybe the founder of Ralston Perina. If not the founder, he was a CEO at one point and he was also the CEO of AT&T. Um, and so that is one of my favorite quotes because it lets us know that, hey, when issues uh, arise, um, you know, we can think about all day uh, about the challenges and it's good to plan, uh, but we can't overcome them because they haven't yet happened. And we sometimes we spend so much time preparing for what hasn't happened. And then when it happens, it's nothing that you prepared for anyway. And so it just allows you to learn how to adapt and prepare for what you can, but be able to adjust the sales when you need to. Who, who, was, who said that again? Theodore Vail, V-A-I-L. Vail. All right, I like that one. Must read book or most gifted book. Ooh, right now I'm telling you, um, I'm thinking the four stages of psychological safety by Tim Clark, Dr. Timothy Clark came out in 2020. It has been a phenomenal resource that I'm, that I've, I'm, I'm accessing every time I speak. Um, but he kind of breaks down the stack psychological safety, um, and how to kind of do it in four stage in four stages and how to get to that place where we're innovating, creating new things. But he talks about inclusion being the first thing that we have to do so that we can all just have that basic humanity respect, uh, for humanity and then permission to learn and grow. Another good one. I never heard of it before. Uh, dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be? What would you do? Oh, man. So I talked to my wife and I thought about this last night. I struggled with number three. Number one is 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 I am a born and raised uh, Christian boy. So uh, I, I want to meet Jesus and see just I got tons of questions to ask him uh, about how we how we have interpreted things comparatively to what he was really talking about. You know, um, and what happened in translation of things. I think I'd love to just spend any moments with him would be phenomenal. Um, I, I have. After I was talking to some interns right before we talked, and I said, uh, like him or hate him, I would love to meet Barack Obama uh, and, and talk with him just a little bit. He just, the way, that he, I, I love speakers and his oratory skills are just amazing, and I just love to spend a little time with him. Number three, whoo, I'm not altogether sure. Um, you know, I would kind of, I, I don't know, as so many, I meet so many cool people. Um, I don't know if I have a third because I, I just, I, I really couldn't find anybody else that I thought was, uh, was there. Because there's so many folks I really, I really uh, would have liked to meet. All right. We'll give, we'll give you a pass on number Appreciate three. Appreciate it. Huh? Thank you. <laughs> uh, legacy. What do you, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered in the industry? In the industry, I want to be um, a thought leader, really somebody who is 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 really leading the uh, leading and, and provoking change uh, in this space of inclusion and, and equity and diversity and culture. Uh, I think that that is the one of the most underappreciated, uh, more appreciated in the last couple of years, but underappreciated uh, superpowers of an organization is when we learn how to effectively capitalize on the uniqueness of all the talent that exists in our spaces and finding places where that new talent can come in and be included and more importantly, have equity in that inclusivity so they can really uh, then strive and thrive and take our businesses to the next level. People, people are the ones that make profit. The, uh, 
Last piece here. Uh, you know, we're both football fans, I'm sure. He used to be a Philadelphia Eagle. Now he's Kansas City Chief. So Andy Reid would always end his pro- press conference with time's yours. So Dan Lester, the time is yours. Well, if I could say anything, I, I will say this. Do it. Do whatever you're doing as if it all depends on you, even if none of it depends on you. And that means that we have the ability to uh, speak truth to power, to really engage in spaces and places where some of us never could. I am a giant. I stand on the shoulder of giants, my parents and those that came before us. Even in our industry, we stand on people who have done phenomenal and wonderful things. And so now we have the charge to be the next uh, leaders of the generation. So don't be afraid to go in, do it as if it all depends on you because it does, even if none of it does. So you go hard, uh, don't stop and just continue. And I'll end up with a Bob Clark quote that he ends every email with. And every time you get a chance, hurry up every chance you get. (laughs) Well, Bob Clark and Dan Lester are both, uh, inspiring people in my book. Uh, so, so glad you got to join us on the, on the Inspiring People in Places podcast. Uh, appreciate your insight and appreciate what you're doing at Clayco, not only to improve your community and your, your uh, company, but uh, to push the industry ahead. Dan, thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for the work that you're doing to push these messages out and inspire more people in places. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People in Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and inspiring people. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us. Till next time, have a great rest of your week.